Does your social media page need some help? Or maybe you're looking to create a website for your small business or blog. Maybe you're wondering how to build a real audience. All of these things require great original content and a strong social media strategy. Luckily, my guests today can help. They are the co-founders of a boutique digital media firm that partners with influencers and brands to create compelling content. I think that's a really smart step for any small business owner, too, or anyone who has their own blog or anything like that to, before you get started, be like, okay, this is the aesthetic. These are, like, the main colors I'm going to use. You know, these are all the things that I'm going to reference as I grow so that I am staying consistent. Anytime someone sees one of my photos or, you know, sees a Facebook post from me or an Instagram post, they're going to immediately recognize who that came from. From our conversation, you'll learn how to break into the influencer space, create a consistent online aesthetic, and how to determine what content will appeal to your audience. This is Lauren Conrad asking for a friend. My guests today are the co-founders of Polkadot Media, Ilana Saul and Rachel Rosenblum. We're going to be talking all things social media, websites, blogs, you name it. I met Alana and Rachel many years ago when I decided that I wanted to start a website. I worked with them when they were working for a larger company that they eventually branched out from and felt an immediate connection with these girls. They were so much fun to work with. They made everything we did really understandable and enjoyable, which is kind of difficult to do when it comes to building a website. There's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, everything from coming up with new content, doing photo shoots, you know, figuring out where our presence was um, on social media. They've really guided me through this process throughout the years and have have been such amazing members of the team. Um, I'm very lucky to have them. And they also, I think at at this point, it's almost daily. They have to explain to me how to work things on the internet because I still can't figure it out. So they've really, they help me a lot. So I'm really excited to sit down with these girls today so we can talk about a lot of things we've learned throughout the years and a lot of things they've taught me and give them an opportunity to share a lot of their knowledge with you. So now that you know a little more about Alana and Rachel, I want to share their professional resume. Alana Saul and Rachel Rosenblum co-founded Polkadot Media, a boutique digital marketing firm based in Los Angeles. They launched LaurenConrad.com in 2011 while working at a digital media company. And in 2014, they left to start Polkadot Media. In addition to running LaurenConrad.com and the associated social channels, their team also runs the social media for the LC Lauren Conrad line at Kohl's, as well as the social accounts for this show. When she's not working, Rachel is hanging out with her rescue pup, Winnie, or volunteering her time to the nonprofit rescue organization, Wags and Walks. Ilana lives in Silver Lake with her husband and two young kids. All right, let's get into the conversation with Alana and Rachel. Thank you both for being here today. Um, very excited to discuss everything, website, social, all the stuff you guys do every day and spend a lot of time explaining to me because uh, I don't <laughs> fully understand how it all works. So th- the first thing I, I want to ask just – because it's a good way to kick it off, is if someone's looking to create a website or create a presence online through social accounts, what is, what's the first thing they should do? I mean, I think the first thing they should do is have a very clear point of view, an idea of what they want to do before they get started. So like, 
I think the intention behind it is the most important thing because if you if you start something without with a kind of a unclear idea of what you want or you're just kind of copying a couple people or you just want to get free stuff or you know you're not doing it from a place of actually wanting to create content or something you're passionate about to me that's always a red flag and it makes it just much harder to create an authentic voice and following and so I think I think I mean that's number one before you even get started with any of the technical stuff and then from there you want to basically find people who can do the things that you don't know how to do so like someone if you need someone to develop a website spending money on that if you need someone to do some graphic design for you spending money on that and then figuring out the things that you can do yourself um, I think the best advice is like hire people to do the things you just cannot do and then learn how to do the things you can do and write. And now there's so many things that you can do that you don't need to hire people for. Like apps have made it. I don't even know. I don't even know how to use Photoshop. And like I can make something. You don't? I mean, I do, but I don't have it on my, on my computer because I like. I know how to use Photoshop. Honestly, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm no. like, I use Photoshop like but daily. Like, everyone else on our team can do it so much better than me. So I let them do it. But like yesterday I had to make something and I'm there was an app on Instagram. I just made like a beautiful thing. And I was like, this is crazy. Like you don't even need to know how to use. I mean, I I built a website on Squarespace recently and I don't know how to build websites and it was so easy. So like there are a lot of things you can kind of DIY, but I think, you know, if you're going to have like e-commerce or you're going to have something that's a little more, I mean, I, I think there are certain things too that you want to like spend money on, which is probably like a logo or, you know, branding. Um, so here's a question. If you have limited funds or you're just starting out and this is sort of a side project for you, what do you think – and this can vary from person to person but, – but what do you think overall is the most important thing to invest in? Is it a logo? Is I mean you said you use Squarespace and you kind of figured it out on your own so maybe it's not a designer in that way. Like what's something that can really set you apart and is worth the investment do you think? Well, I think – I mean I think the one of the amazing things about social media is that it is a really powerful organic marketing tool. So you don't necessarily need to invest anything to begin with. I mean, if you are starting a business or you have a brand and you want to start getting the word out and interacting with your you know, fans or your followers, no matter how small that base is, you can really you know, get started with almost nothing. And then as you grow, you can obviously invest more there, but you could literally just put up like a splash page website. And then if you're really consistent with your messaging on social media and you're really engaging with, you know, the fans of your brand and everything like that, you maybe don't even have to invest much of anything to start. Yeah, I mean, and even as far as like photography, obviously having a nice camera helps, but iPhones now can take pictures that are just as good. So it's, you know, I mean, and it also obviously depends on your aesthetic and exactly what you're shooting. But I think you can do things really, really scrappy now that you couldn't do. You know, you just couldn't do. I mean, when we had when I had like a Blackberry, I couldn't take pictures like that. Oh, my gosh. I have like in my photo feed on my computer some old Blackberry photos. Oh and God. it is crazy that we were like, this counts as a camera. They're <laughs> so bad. They're really bad. They're like, so I can't tell who people are. It's so grainy. Yeah, BBM. Oh, man. Never forget. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, BBM. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think actually you touched on aesthetic, and that's really interesting. I think one thing about using an iPhone is they are so good now. The cameras are amazing. I know photographers that actually prefer them in some situations, and I know that some people use them purposely because it, it it makes photos almost feel more 
accessible. Like it's like, oh, I could have. T- I mean, that's maybe a little better than the photo I would have taken. But I see photos where I'm like, oh, that was that was probably taken on an iPhone. Do you know what I mean? It's almost totally. like the perspective feels more relatable. But I think that creating an overall aesthetic and keep staying consistent with that is something that some people struggle with. So what what would you say to people who need to? figure out what their aesthetic is, you know, to kind of create a style guide or just sort of like set up a standard that they live with so everything everyone's looks, yeah yeah feels consistent looks the same think? and it looks the same across platforms yeah so i mean anytime we've launched a new handle with you lauren you know whether it was also lauren conrad or now asking for a friend handles we've kind of put together a little style guide and brand deck for social beforehand and obviously we do that because we're kind of running everything by you and working together on it but i think that's a really smart step for any small business owner too or anyone who has their own blog or anything like that to before you get started be like okay, this is the aesthetic. These are like the main colors I'm going to use. You know, these are all the things that I'm going to reference as I grow so that I am staying consistent. Anytime someone sees one of my photos or, you know, sees a Facebook post from me or an Instagram post, they're going to immediately recognize who that came from because I think that's really important. And I think even if it is just your own business and you're literally just creating it kind of for yourself or to run by a friend or a partner, I think – that's a really smart step to take. Yeah, and I think the best place to start with that is Pinterest, like creating a Pinterest board that is the colors you love, the photos you love. And that, I mean, really that's the easiest, most organic way to see what, you know, your what, what, what you like kind of um, gravitate towards as far as look and feel and editing and lighting. And it's also, you know, obviously it's different for different brands too. So if you, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be if you're a blogger, it's going to probably be what you personally love. But if you're working with a brand or you're starting a brand and your brand has, you know, a specific like language or or just kind of like a specific message, you can find so many things on Pinterest that will inspire you. Um, and then from there, you can then build that kind of style guide, which, you know, and I mean, there's so many font. It's, it's hard. It takes a long time. There's so many fonts. There's so many so many colors, like there's so many different ways that you can put something together. But I think starting to kind of aggregate what you love on Pinterest is a really great way to start to kind of see the brand come together in a visual way before you even, you know, start to put together the style guide and the strategy. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point is that it's not just photography. It has to do with color and text and combination of of two different fonts that you want on your site. Um, And Pinterest actually does have those pairings available and they have mood boards that have already been created. And obviously you don't want to, you know, copy something that's out there. But I think those are a really great place to to kind of find direction or inspiration from. Yeah, it's it's really amazing for like picking – you know, kind of different elements from different things that you see. So obviously, you know, it's not a great idea to just copy what someone else is doing. And it's not, I don't think it's going to lead to the best results in the end, but it's a really great place just to get inspiration and see what's out there and see different font combinations and color combinations and, um, you know, photo layouts. And it's just, it's, it's a really great space just for like visual inspiration, but also for, I think, creating that kind of brand style guide. So let's say I, I've, you know, I have my Pinterest board, I have my mood board, I've, I've got my direction, and I have a really clear idea of where I want to go. What templates or programs would you suggest using? You you mentioned Squarespace. Are there any other ones that are really easy for people to use? Yeah, so we use WordPress for your site, for laurenconrad.com. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's WordPress. Okay. Um, but we have a developer who built that. So okay. it's definitely a little bit more. Um, and however, I'm I'm sure you can do WordPress on your own. There are tons of other, you know, there's Squarespace, there's Wix, 
I'm sure there are some other great ones that are make it easy to build your own website. Alana is like the queen of Excel. So we <laughs> create tons of documents in Excel and then upload them to Google Docs. So that's where we have our calendar, content calendar, our brainstorm, emails, all of our passwords and logins. We also, another really powerful tool that we use for Instagram is Planoly. If anyone you know, has a blog or a small business that they're creating Instagram content for, Planoly is like the number one tool we recommend. It basically lets you put all of your upcoming content into a grid so you can see exactly what it's going to look like in Instagram and you can put your captions in there and everything ahead of time. And then it'll just send you like a notification basically when it's time to post. Or, I mean, you can actually schedule it out as well, but we usually like to do that part manually. But it kind of lets you plan Instagram content ahead of time. And I think it's really great to be able to see what it'll actually look like in your grid and in your feed and everything ahead of time. So that's kind of like what we use for Instagram content planning. Planoly is literally my best friend (laughs) in this entire world. I could not live without Planoly. I plan, I mean, you know, we run. We run the accounts for for Elsie Lauren Conrad, your line at Kohl's. We plan all of that out in Planoly. So we'll gather all the photos and all of the products that we want to promote and we'll put it all into Planoly and kind of sort it out into the feed so we can see, make sure, you know, we don't have two photos of you next to each other, make sure that we have a good mix of products. You can then, you then upload the captions, you schedule it. It's amazing. You can switch back and forth. So we have it, we use it for Lauren Conrad Co., which is our site account. Um, we use it for asking for a friend. Um, so we can just switch back and forth between those and get updates and then push them live. And it just makes makes Instagram so much easier. And they also have a new feature where you can do stories ahead of time. Like they are really game changer. Yes. That's amazing. Game yeah. yeah. I think especially if, if Instagram is less of a hobby and more of a business for you, it's nice to have that structure. And I like that they allow you to lay your grid out because that does make a difference. You're right. Like it's one of those things where like you maybe don't notice it unless – there's something off-putting about it. Mm-hmm. Like if it's done well, you don't even notice that there is structure there and there is like thought put into totally. the order of things and the color. I remember at one point, Hannah, um, my co-founder of The Little Market, was working on the layout of our Instagram feed. And it was something that like, I hope people noticed this, but if you scrolled really I quickly, <laughs> it was a rainbow. Mm-hmm. Yes. She did it. It was like by color. But if you were just like kind of glancing, it's maybe not something you would notice, but it was just so thoughtful and beautiful. And I was like, I love that you took the time to do this. She also just like is a rainbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I think she used Planoly. Yeah, I think she did too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's- I think that's a really important tool. Grove Collaborative is an online marketplace that delivers all-natural home, beauty, and personal care products directly to your door. Grove takes the guesswork out of going green. Every Grove.co product is guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet, so you can save time reading confusing labels. With Grove, you don't have to shop multiple stores or search endlessly online to get the natural goods you need for you and your family. Join over half a million families who trust Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. Plus, shipping is fast and free on your first order. For a limited time, when my listeners go to grove.co slash for a friend, you will get a free five-piece spring cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer and Grove, a $30 value. Go to grove.co slash for a friend to get this exclusive spring cleaning offer. Again, that's grove.co slash for a friend.
So just to clarify, um, I I run my personal account, which is just at Lauren Conrad. So those are those are all my postings and captions, but you guys run everything else. Yes. <laughs> so if you want to quickly list off what you guys are responsible for. Yeah. So we run laurenconrad.com, uh, which is your website. And we run uh, your Facebook account and um, help run your Twitter. We run all of the social accounts for Elsie Lauren Conrad. So that's your line at Kohl's. So the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, we run the Lauren Con- at Lauren Conrad Co. Instagram and Twitter accounts, which are kind of like the main brand umbrella accounts and, you know, link back to the site. Um, but they really cover everything that's going on in your world. And then we also run the Asking for a Friend um, accounts, which is this podcast that we're recording right now. <laughs> oh, full circle. Um, okay. Thank you for saying that. Clearly, I, I, it's a lot. <laughs> I don't know how you guys keep that all straight. Okay. So what do you think? I, I, I think honestly the question that I was asked the most was how to organically gain followers. And one person, I just laughed when I read it. This girl, Lindsay, said, real talk on growing followers. Not interested in hearing about, quote, being authentic. (laughs) She was just like, don't give me this line. And a lot of people were, yeah, a lot of people were like, don't give me, I think that's the advice they're often given. And then a lot of people were asking about bots and uh, purchased followers. Mm -hmm. So I actually don't even know what a bot is. Say no to bots. I don't. I know mean, if you don't know, be glad. Yeah. We would okay. like highly recommend against that. I mean, I think a lot of people will do that. It's you know basically you can have a bot. I mean, we've never used them, but no. from what I've heard, you have a bot where you can like automatically like or comment or you know gain followers. I mean, it's basically like just trying to beat the algorithm, but it you know doesn't work. We are very we are very anti. Okay, so bot and, anti- and anti paying for followers. I mean, we're also extremely lucky because you've. You are you. So it we're able to grow these accounts organically. But in the case of people who are just starting out or aren't having that luck, I mean, Instagram and Instagram has made it incredibly difficult with their algorithm and they have made it extremely hard to gain followers, to grow followings, and then also to gain real followers. There are I mean, you know, people can pay for fake followers, which we never recommend, and it, it, you can always tell when someone does that. Don't they, like, take them away once a year? Because I feel like there's, like, a day every year where, like, everybody drops in followers. Yeah. So th- that happens when – I mean, that's not all the fake followers, but it's it's a lot of them. It's it's a lot of bots that they take away. Okay. Um, but there, there, it, there are ways, however, to to pay – to, you know, to boost your posts and to pay – to get organic followers. So it's not necessary you're, you're not paying you're not paying for fake followers. You're paying which is frustrating that you have to do this now, but you're paying basically to get your post in front of people. Is that like at the when I post something and then in the bottom corner it says promote? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that is? Yeah. So t- so if you posted something and you wanted say you know you post about your podcast and okay. you want to make sure lots of people know about it, you can click boost or promote and you know allocate however much money you want to, $50, $100. And that'll get that post in front of more people, even even in front of your own followers, because all of your followers don't see all of your posts. And often, like especially if you have a small business or a blog and you're just starting out, like, you know, $50 here and there does actually make a difference. So I think sometimes people think obviously huge companies will send thousands, you know, upon thousands of dollars to promote a post. But, you know, you can definitely start small if you have a little bit to invest. But there are also a lot of organic ways to grow your following. Does that show up in your feed as an ad? Or does it just look like a normal post? 
Yeah, it's different from an ad. You can like promote a post without actually running an ad. Okay. So, but I'm saying like if I were to promote a post when it shows up in my friend's feed, does it say like promoted or ad? Yeah, it yeah, does. Okay. Yeah. But it's it's just going if you it, you can have it just go to people who are already following you versus okay. you know an ad where sometimes you're like I'm gotcha. not following that brand and now they're on my feed. Okay. Yeah. So and our stance is sorry. I have something yeah. and I have to get it out because I keep laughing at it. Our st- <laughs> Our stance is, when it comes to followers, we're anti-bot and being bought. <laughs> is that, is that yes. what we're saying? That's what I've been – oh, my God. We, should we make a bumper sticker? Sorry. I've been laughing to myself over here. I'm like, wait, there's a wordplay here. Okay, sorry. I feel like William is really going to like that joke. He's, uh, he's, we, really, we really think we're funny. It's important. Uh, okay, and speaking of the algorithm, is there a very simple way to explain that? Because I don't understand what that means. Like – there's always like, oh, the algorithm, but I don't know what it means. And I don't think most people understand what that means. There's not a simple way, right. unfortunately. It is constantly changing. So like when you work in social media, even every few months, you'll like read some some article will come out and they'll say, oh, now Instagram is like adding, you know, figuring this into the algorithm. But um, in general, a lot of it has to do with engagement. So it's who else, you know, that you're following, you're actually like, you know, liking and commenting on their photos and who's commenting on your photos and Maybe you're commenting on a similar account that it shares a lot of the same followers. So, um, you know, a lot of it, if you're running an account and you're trying to grow your account, a lot of it has to do with just like staying really consistent with engagement. So not only are you posting every day, but you're commenting on other people's accounts and you're replying to people who comment to you. And you're, you know, just making sure that you are kind of like talking to people on Instagram. So I should be, I should be commenting. I don't, I don't really comment on stuff. Everyone's. I do that. I, mean, I hit I, the little hearts. I think your so. account is good. Is fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, listen, I, need, I need some tips. I, I actually didn't know that. So, so if I want to have the algorithm work in my favor, I should just be more engaged. I should be commenting, liking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and so so also, I mean, if you want to think about it from like in a very simple way, basically, when Instagram first started, you had your people that you followed. They'd post a photo and it would show up in your feed in a mm-hmm. chronological order. So if I'm following five people and they all post a photo within the hour, I'll see all five posts in the order that they posted them. Now the, the algorithm basically means that Instagram chooses which post you're going to see in your feed and doesn't show you everyone's post. And it also doesn't show in chronological order anymore. So I could see in my feed a post that Alana posted two days ago and then afterwards a post that you posted but then a post that Hannah posted isn't going to show up for me. So, hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely uh, confusing and not ideal. But, I mean, it's, you know, Instagram's such a powerful marketing tool. So I, you know, understand they need to do what they need to do to, to run their business. Um, but it's like, I mean. <laughs> like I, tell us how you really feel about it. <laughs> yeah. I, but I mean, like a constant part of our job is just figuring yeah. out what's happening and okay. what we can do to, like, combat it and what we can do to to. To, I mean, to reach the people who are following us and then yeah. to reach other people who want to, you know, would potentially follow us. But I would say, like, if you want three main tips on how to get your post seen, mm-hmm. um, the first one would be to just be really consistent with posting. So don't, you know, like, post for four days in a row and then go dead for two weeks. So, you know, whether you're posting, you know, probably once a day at least – the second thing is engagement, so making sure that you're responding to people who comment on your post, commenting on other people's posts, and just staying engaged within the app. And then the third is utilizing every tool that Instagram gives you. 
So not only are you posting in your feed, you're also posting on stories. You're maybe trying out, you know, IGTV if it's relevant to your brand because they do prioritize people who are kind of using the entire app. Well, and and to go along with that, like utilizing all of the the tools that Instagram has, like geotagging your posts, tagging people in your posts, using their, you know, tap to shop products. So basically, the 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 more and and also uploading different content types, so video and photo and albums, and making sure that you're kind of switching things up um, is you know a, a a way that you can kind of get around it a little bit. I need to follow all those tips. I don't do any. <laughs> Like I do that. I'll like post two photos and then nothing for like three weeks. But you're also the exception to the rule well, because your posts are amazing and everyone loves them. And you have other accounts that are continuously. I'm glad you. Posting I'm glad content. I have you guys <laughs> to keep those going because I'm just not. I like forget about it. Okay, I'm asking this because honestly, you guys from day one have sort of run most of this for me. Um, if I am someone who has decided, like, I want to create a website, I want to do all this, how much time out of the day do you think that takes in, in the beginning? When you, like, have another job and you have a life, how much time should you be setting aside each day to to, to start something like this? Like, can it be done as a side job or do you think it just starts out as a full-time job? I mean, I, I think it's, it's hard to say because you have to – it's – based on what the goal of the site is. So if someone's starting a blog, they can spend a couple hours a day. Um, if someone wants to start something bigger, you know. And, and it also just depends on, I mean, how much content you can produce and how much content you can create. I mean, it, it really... How much content should you produce? Like if you want to be successful, is there like a special number or is it different for everybody? I mean, for most people, if you want to be successful, you would want to be posting on social media every day. Okay. You know, from a, we're talking about women's lifestyle for the most part. So Instagram is probably our main social channel. And then, you know, Pinterest and Facebook are important as well and Twitter a little less so. Um, but I would say you want to be posting every day on Instagram. And then, you know, if you have a blog or website component too, maybe you're updating that at least a couple times a week, once or twice a week. And I know we've talked about this, but but although social platforms kind of play different roles, I know we've talked about Instagram being really important as far as branding, but like maybe it's not the main traffic driver. So it's like they all kind of do different things and they balance each other out, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we found Instagram is just an incredibly important branding tool and for brand awareness and engaging with, you know, your audience and your customers if you're running a business. We found that Pinterest is, I mean, it's not only an amazing source for inspiration, but it's a huge traffic driver. For like selling products or yeah, for, driving so for, traffic? For, 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 for selling products and for driving traffic. So we see, I mean, we see a good portion of our traffic to laurenconrad.com come from Pinterest. And that's coming from photos that we've shot that we've put on the website and then uploaded to Pinterest and they link back to the site. So it's a way to get people back to the site. And then also, I mean, we, you know, the the Pinterest account for Elsie Lauren Conrad gets a ton of engagement and we send a lot of people from Pinterest to Kohl's.com to purchase those items that we're pinning. So basically what you're saying is when I'm on Pinterest, I'm working. I just want to exactly. clarify. Okay, cool. All right, <laughs> great. That can be my full-time job then. I spend enough time on there. Have you ever bought something online only to find out later that you missed a discount? Honey is a free browser add-on that finds you the best deals online. The app magically auto-applies the best deals to your cart at checkout. 
Honey finds discounts and coupons across 37,000 sites like Amazon, Sephora, Best Buy, Nordstrom, and others. With Honey, you never have to worry about missing a deal. Just shop like normal and Honey handles the rest. Honey members have already saved more than $800 million. Not bad for something that's completely free and takes just two clicks to install. That's probably why Honey has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. Time Magazine calls it basically free money. So why not use Honey? It's free to use and easy to install on your computer in just two clicks. So shop with confidence and get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash for a friend. That's joinhoney.com slash for a friend. Honey, the smart shopping assistant that saves you time and money when you're shopping online. So now that you know a little bit more about Alana and Rachel, we're going to take some questions from you. We will talk about how to get into the social media space, start making money as an influencer, and the best time to post. Okay, so our first question is from Paige, and she wants to know, is there a right or a wrong time to post, like throughout the day? So we recommend that people experiment with different times and then kind of see you know, when their personal audience is most engaged. But as a general rule, kind of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. tend to just like industry-wide be good times. Okay. So beginning of the day, end of the day? Yeah. And does that apply to, to social, website, everything? That's social. That's okay. mainly Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we, we definitely recommend testing out different posting times, seeing what you're following and your audience is responding to the most, and then kind of optimizing from there. Did that change? I thought it used to be 10. It's switched to nine? It's changed. Okay. All right. It's changed so much. I should probably be checking in with you guys (laughs) on this. It also depends, like, what time zone you're in. You know, like, if you're in L.A., but you have, like, the majority of your customers or your followers are in New York, then you're going to want to post on New York time instead of L.A. time. Oh, that's me, I think. I'm pretty sure I have more people in New York, which doesn't really make sense to me. But Then you're going to have to start waking up a little bit earlier. It's not happening. (laughs) So Meg wants to know... When do you ignore a comment versus when to acknowledge? And I, I believe she's talking about like a negative comment. I have a strategy for myself <laughs> as like a as a person, but I think that's really interesting when it comes to a business and everyone kind of has a different strategy. I believe ours is just to ignore it, but I might be wrong. No, it's it not. It depends. I mean, sometimes if it's like constructive criticism, we'll respond. You know, we want if other people are seeing it and maybe they had the same question, we want to address it. But if it just mean and like ignore, maybe even delete. Yeah. Well, and also when it's in the purpose of customer service, like with the Elsie Lauren Conrad account, we always want to, you know, if yeah. people have complaints or questions or need to get something fixed, we always want to acknowledge those. But then again, if on those accounts, if there are just mean, weird comments that make no sense, we can, you know, and, and if they're aggressive or something inappropriate, we'll, we'll block and delete. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, I, I think it's, it's a case by case basis based on like what is being said, because ultimately you want to acknowledge people, but you don't want to contribute to that crazy internet. Yeah. People are mean on the internet I know, sometimes. People, well, I, I actually feel like the community that we engage with is is a pretty positive one and I feel oh, yeah. extremely really, positive. I feel really lucky We're for really that. Lucky. But it is it is a really hard call and especially if you're running a brand or a business, I think that your approach 
you know, it's best to have it be more of a professional one. Like, sorry, you feel that way. Like, please reach out to us here and we can address that. But yeah, when people get really wild, I, I have had like a few times where I've, I've re- I always regret it I, every time, but I'll just, I'll respond and be like, not so much, guys. Here's the real story. <laughs> I think just – I think when someone just attacks you in a way where it just feels like a personal attack and you just – instinctually, you're like you want to fight back. But again, like it's like getting in an argument with someone. You're like, I should have just walked away from that. That was so silly. You you like fed in. That was what they wanted. Totally. Well, yeah, and these people ultimately have no bearing on your actual life, most of them. You know, the, the, pe- the trolls and the people who are writing mean, crazy comments. So you have to just kind of, you know – Take that high road. Take take that high road as hard oh. as it must be. I'm going to take that advice myself. Depends <laughs> when. I, just like every once in a while, one will get me. I mean, I think that's normal. <laughs> You're a human. Thank and you. And people are mean on the internet, so. People are mean on the internet. Okay. Diana wants to know if monetizing content is as easy as it seems for influencers. Meaning, is it easy to make money off of the internet? I think that people see these influencers yeah. and, like, a lot of them are kind of living these lavish lives and they're getting a lot of free things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like kind of if you're living that cool life, like, you can do it. Is it as easy as it seems? And if so, how would one do that? So I think it's not as easy as it seems at all. I think influencers make it look a lot easier. You know, we have been in that world. We know a lot of influencers and people who do that. And we've, you know, I mean, we've also – we. In our in the past, we've done a ton of ads for LaurenConrad.com, and we know how it is to work with brands. And I think also now there are so many influencers, and people are really trying to make it that they'll accept things that you know they they'll they'll accept free product in, for promotion instead of getting paid for it. So it's much harder to get paid for something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you're one of those people where your following's growing and you're you know, you you really want to make this a business. First of all, affiliate links are a big are a great way to to do that. We and, use, and can you explain what an affiliate link is? Of course, we use Reward Style, um, which we love. And basically, Reward Style is a way for you to monetize links to items that you wear. So if you have a blog and you want to post, I want to post about the outfit I'm wearing today. I can put links to my sweater and my top and my jeans and my shoes through reward style and everyone who clicks and if you know if Alana then wants to buy my <laughs> jeans I get a dollar from her purchase. Okay. So if you have a large following and people are you know and you're truly an influencer and people are buying what you're promoting then you can make a pretty good chunk of money from that. So and that's on a website. Right? Mhm. Okay. Well on, so that's yeah on social media as well. Yeah. Okay, so you can do it on on all. So you just Yeah, I mean anywhere that you can put a link. Okay. And then as far as like working with brands I mean, you know, there are so many huge people who've developed huge influencers who've created different, you know, created product lines and done all of these things that have made a ton of money. I think they make it probably look easier than it is. Um, And the market is very saturated. But I I think a piece of advice for people who want to do that is partner with brands who you do feel are authentic to you because your following can tell if you're just doing it for money. I I just recently found this out, and maybe maybe this is known, but I think it's crazy that people pretend to they do fake ads, like they pretend like someone bought. Did we talk about this? No, yeah, you know, there are people. So like, let's <laughs> say I want to pretend like like 
Chanel paid me to do like an ad. People do that and they do it to encourage others to reach out to them. Like they like, oh, like this fancy company did an ad with them. We should too. I didn't know it was a thing, but I that just found it out. So wild. Out. I just found out. And it's kind of smart, but also feels very dangerous yeah. for legal reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. The question is like, yeah. we, we are not sponsoring you. Yeah. The, the rules are always changing. And like it's it's even gotten to the point now where like if people – like if I get sent something and I post like, oh, thank you. I love this. I think that's technically an ad now. So it's like – it's it's very weird right now. Yeah. The, the legal issues around all of it are very complicated. Yeah. I think, I think again, transparency is key. A hundred percent. Transparency is key. And I also think that when you're building a brand and you're partnering with – with other brands that your followers are going to love and be excited about, they're going to be happy for you. And they're going to be excited to see the content and to get the discounts that you're offering them. Um, I think it only kind of goes south when you're partnering with brands that really don't align with your mission and your aesthetic and your kind of overall brand. It just – it feels very – False. Well, it feels like you did it for the money. It totally like it I does. know, like I know when I see certain people like doing doing ads for a company, I'm like, you got paid a lot of uh, money to do that. <laughs> Good job. Or or I'll say, I really hope you got paid a lot of money. Or the- <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I think that I think it's being selective is really important, and also uh, making sure that not all of your content is ads. I think we all know some people that used to have like really and you know what their content is still beautiful but it's just ad after ad after ad and that's mm-hmm. all you see and then you're just like oh there's not to be like be authentic but like yeah. there's just nothing that that I really relate to anymore about here cuz like you know you're just like want me to use this cream cheese or like this. <laughs> do you know what I mean it's always something totally. really weird where you're like I don't believe you actually use yeah. that and it's you're just selling me stuff every day so yeah. I think the smart People who have really successful businesses end up turning down way more, you know, sponsorship opportunities than they accept. I agree with that. I'm a big fan of saying no. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sam wants to know, how many people do you have working for you to help you with all of this, meaning just running it all? So if you guys could quickly explain the team and how that works. Yeah. So we are a team of five, Mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Yeah. We're a team of five. So, um, you know, Rachel and I kind of oversee a lot of the strategy and, you know, manage all of the accounts from a top level. But then we have a senior editor and photographer and in-house photographer who works with us on all the different brands. Jesse. Yes. Yes. The best. The, the best. best. Um, and an associate editor as well and a social media coordinator. So, um, And those are full-time jobs for everybody. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's a lot. It takes a village. Yeah. It does. It definitely is – a full-time job when you do when you want to do it right and when you're doing it for you know big brands and things that you know that require a lot of content and a lot of attention and we do i mean that said we you know manage a handful of accounts so if you just have your own blog or business and that's all you're worrying about you definitely can do a lot yourself but you know as it grows or you have like more different you know brands that you're working with it helps to have a team great and i think lastly just if if someone's looking to get into this space, what do you think is the best piece of advice you could give them? Intern for us. <laughs> <laughs> Come out to L.A. and intern mm-hmm. for us. Um, 
I mean, I think an internship is definitely the best way to get into it. If you're in college and you, I mean, and now college, when I was in college, we didn't have any of this. I mean, it was a very long time ago. But now these kids are graduating college and they've had classes where they're designing websites and they're running blogs and they know Photoshop and they know how to do all of these things that weren't even skills when I was that age. So if you are in college and you feel like getting into the digital media, social media, marketing world is something you're interested in, I think find a company like ours or <laughs> someone else <laughs> that you, you know, feel like is content is, is a company that you'd want to potentially be at and apply for an internship and get that experience. And there are so many, so many social media businesses out there that, you know, in in every state. It's not just here in LA. I mean, they're everywhere. So I would definitely say intern, get as much experience as you can, and also treat your own social media as your resume, too. I mean, the first thing that we do when we get a resume is we look at the person's Instagram and usually Pinterest and kind of see what their vibe is and what their aesthetic is. And if they, you know, I mean, it's just a, it's a great way to like kind of take a first glance. And I, I think do, that's a lesson for life, by yeah, the way, because I, I do that say. when I hire people and it could have nothing to do with with any online presence. But I think that, guys, if you don't want it seen, put that stuff yeah. on private. <laughs> I think that's true of any industry. Like yeah. no matter what job you're applying for, we're going to look at your Instagram. All right. Yeah. I, and we can definitely be a little bit judgy based on the amount of clothing you wear on your Instagram. So, <laughs> you know, keep it classy. <laughs> Okay, guys, thank you so much for sitting down and going through all this with me. I learned some things. I bet I still have daily questions for you. <laughs> Rachel has to send me screen caps of how to do things, um, which I really appreciate, my tech support. Uh, but thank you so much. This was really helpful. Of course. We're so happy to no. be here. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to – should we take some photos and post about it now? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Follow Asking for a Friend. Yes, at Asking for a Friend. Because we'll have some behind the scenes from subscribe, this recording. Subscribe and listen. Share Guys, with you're your taking friends. my lines from me. Please keep going. <laughs> I was going to do these right after you left. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and to my wonderful guests, Ilana Saul and Rachel Rosenblum. For more information on Polka.media, Media, go to wearepolka.media.com. And follow Ilana at Ilana Saul and Rachel at Rachel.Rosenbloom. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend about the show. And since we're talking about social media today, you can also follow this show's account on Instagram at Asking for a Friend. We will be back next Wednesday with another episode. Talk with you soon. <laughs>